Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 51st episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. We've got a great guest this week in Andrew Luftglass. Andrew is the manager of broadcasting, media relations, and social media for the Lake County Captains, Class A affiliate of the Cleveland Indians. I really appreciate everyone tuning in more than you could possibly know. Please help grow the podcast by sharing it on social media, telling your friends about it, you know, that thing called uh, word of mouth, and by leaving a rating or comment, I'll share them on social media and on the show itself. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at It's R.A. Coon. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. That way you won't miss out on any news about the Pulling Tart Podcast. Can't wait to catch up with Andrew Loftglass right after this break. Andrew, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your Friday evening. Uh, what have you been up to with the lack of baseball this past year? Yeah, first of all, Bobby, thanks so much for having me on. It's nice to see you again. I of course. People uh, people can't see that we see each other, <laughs> but we're obviously on, on Zoom as everybody else is. Yeah. Um, and I haven't seen you since like 2016 when we, when we went to Beloit when you were there and um, – and we made that that once a year, once every other year trip with the captains. So uh, yeah. it's nice to see you first of all, and thanks for having me. Yeah, good to see you um, too. What have I been up to? A lot of <laughs> a lot of family time um, in the last year, which has been really nice. So we just talked a little bit before yeah. we started, but um, I, I had a daughter. My my wife and I had a daughter in October of 2019, and uh, so the plan was that right after that 2019 season, it's great. We have the, we have the baby right after the season's over and we have a nice long off season, um, to just take care of our family before my season starts again. And, uh, as it turned out, it, it's been a lot longer than that, which, which has been cool. We, uh, pretty much every day I'm just, uh, I'm spending time with the little one, with my daughter, um, taking care of her, uh, and kind of balancing as everybody else is who has uh, kids during this pandemic, like taking care of your child, taking care of your children and, uh, and doing doing your work in the margins there, so that's it's pretty much what's been going on in my world. Yeah, man, that's crazy. Uh, do you think <laughs> it, it'll be quite the change of pace once baseball season starts back up? Um, do, <laughs> how do you think she'll she'll get used to that? Gosh, I don't know. Um, I mean, so my wife Amanda and I are, are quite prepared for it because we're really organized <laughs> people. Like we can't do anything without a very thorough plan and backup plan. So we had the, obviously the 2020 season all set for what we were going to do with, with childcare and all scheduled out and, right. uh, and everything. So we know what's in store for us in terms of organizing and coordinating um, care for our daughter. Um, but it, I'm sure it's going to be tough for her. And I'm a little worried about that because um, you go from this time where 
there's not a second of the day that she's not with one of her parents sure. to um, to going to, to daycare, which uh, was stressful when when we thought she was going to go initially. Uh, and she went for all of like two days when I was in spring training left. Um, and it was stressful for her then. So I, I can't imagine what it'll be like now. So we'll have to um, have to figure out how to socialize her in, in right? Because that's, that's the concern, right? Is doing, doing everything we can safely. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, you alluded to spring training. What was it like broadcasting Indians games down in spring training? That was really fun. I only did the one. Um, okay. At first, I have to thank uh, Jim Rosenhaus, who invited me out to do it. Uh, Jim's the one of the broadcasters for Cleveland and has been for a while. He's a, a longtime minor league baseball guy. He'd been in, mm-hmm. um, in Wilmington. He'd been in Kinston. He'd been in Buffalo for a while before he got to the, the big league club. Um, and so he has been – everybody in, in baseball who I've talked to, especially broadcasters – um, we're like, oh, you're in Cleveland. Jim's taking care of you, and he has. He's been so good. And I was really thrilled when he invited me out, and really thankful and how gracious Cleveland's PR and media people were too. Um, Curtis Danberg, Bart Swain, um, do a really great job with them and, and everything. Everybody on their team. Um, I wasn't there that long. I was there for a few days, but first of all, it was it was really cool and exciting just to do a big league game. Yeah, um, was was really fun. Uh, a little nerve-wracking i was stressed a little bit in the in the beginning you know especially your first game that you've done in several months is a big league game and your first big league game so i was i was nervous there um but obviously excited to do it and one thing that i think calmed my nerves first was working with jim is really great and mm-hmm. the other thing was that the game that i happened to do was basically a, a minor league game um okay the big league club had been in vegas they played a game in Vegas, I think the day before. And so most of those guys were getting that day off after traveling back. Okay. So they threw a, a bunch of minor league arms and had a bunch of minor league guys, only a couple 40 man guys, honestly, in that big league game against Texas. Um, so I knew almost every player on that roster of course, yeah. had been with us within the last two years. So I had stories on them. I had relationships with them and That's good. I could get background on, on guys that, you know, maybe a big league broad couldn't cause they didn't know those guys intimately. So that was, that was really cool. Right. Um, so about those relationships that you build, because you're the only person from the team, you know, from the front office that travels with the team. Right. Um, do you have any, stories um about like some bus rides or something that happened in the clubhouse or anything like that that you can share i'm sure there's a lot that you can't share um (laughs) because Um, i've been in those clubhouses before so and so first of all like honestly since i've been with lake county like all of cleveland's people have been super nice and welcoming and they just tend to draft it and sign a lot of really upstanding young men who treat you well and are really engaging and willing to help. Uh, and I try to do my best to give them their space and their time to, to do what, what they need to do and not impose on their schedule. Right. Um, so that I think makes for a good working relationship to tie back into the spring training thing that the, the relationships I, I built with the, especially cause you get to this age that you're closer to the age of the coaches and the players. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I didn't have lodging in Arizona and I wasn't like being paid to do this game. 
So I just kind of bummed the couch off of our pitching coach. There you go. Um, and so Owen Dew was our pitching coach, uh, and he was uh, roommates, his roommates, I would assume, still with a guy who had played with the captains a few years before I got there and Grant Fink. And so they were really nice and let me crash on their couch so I didn't have to <laughs> pay anything for lodging. And it was nice hanging with them for a couple of days around this uh, around this trip. And it's uh, awesome. Getting to and from the field, borrowing Owen's truck, was he was gracious with that as well. So, um, yeah, the relationships you build are, are awesome. And um, you do get to be behind the scenes on some stuff in the clubhouse and on the bus. So, Andrew, what has been your favorite all-time moment that you've broadcasted? Yeah, so i given this a lot of thought because there have been a few cool games that I've done. Um, the two that stand out to me, one was a really horrifically bad loss, and the other was an incredible individual performance by somebody on the team I was calling the game for. Which do you want to hear first? Whichever one you feel. I, I want to hear both. but. Okay. <laughs> Let's do the horrific loss. Okay. Um, let's do the horrific loss first. So this was my first year in minor league baseball. I was with the Burlington Royals in Burlington, North Carolina, um, rookie-level affiliate of the Kansas City Royals. And so this is 2012. Um, our team had, in center field, was the first-round pick for the Royals the previous year, Bubba Starling. If anybody remembers that name, he was going to be a potential two-way start university of nebraska was going to play quarterback there oh. instead signed with the royals i think they took him fifth overall in that 2011 draft which is a great draft and that was a great year in the appalachian league with talent so he was in center field and the left fielder on that team was now well-known terrence score but that okay. was nobody at the time as he's the um the hired uh, the hired gun to to come run for teams in the playoffs now mm-hmm. um speedy little outfielders obviously now in the in the big leagues uh, a lot because of his speed usually in the playoffs but it, it was you know nobody knew much about terrence score um so that was a, it was a really good team that they had that year and we went into the playoffs and went into the championship series against the uh, elizabeth and twins mm-hmm. which the setup is that uh, we had the first rounder Bob Starling in center. They had a first rounder Byron Buxton yeah. in center. So this was like a twelve million dollar center field in a rookie league championship series. All three games go extra innings, best of best of three series. Mm. Third game, winner take all in Elizabethan, Tennessee. Uh, Royals go up six two. They're up six two. It gets to two outs and two strikes in the ninth inning. Still up six two. Okay. Walk, 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 hit by pitch, wild pitch, 6-3 with uh, two on, two out. And if you remember the name Adam Brett Walker, mm-hmm. he was uh, the Appalachian League home run king, tied that year with Patrick Leonard on our team who had gone to Tampa in the Will Myers deal okay. uh, that off season. So Adam Brett Walker led the league in home runs, comes up, with a three-run game in the ninth inning, two outs, two on, game-tying home run on a full-count pitch. <laughs> so it was just a complete implosion. Uh, our whole front office, or our, our GM, our AGM, our president were there. Obviously, everybody's crushed. Extra innings. Go to the 12th inning, and the Twins win on a walk-off grand slam to dead center field by DJ Hicks. Mm. So we lose the Appalachian League Championship Series that we were a strike away from winning on 
numerous at bats, um, only only to lose next inning. So that was the one of the coolest comebacks I've ever seen. And I had to call it right down the middle because I was the only broadcast for the game. Oh. Obviously, I followed the team all year. Right. So it was a it was a great game. Probably made better for me by the fact that I was calling it down the middle, but yeah. it was obviously crushing from a Burlington. Sure. Man, wow. That really <laughs> stinks that you had to be like impartial. Like it it did. I don't I didn't mind it so much. Um, yeah. I didn't mind having to be impartial so much because I think that was kind of um, that's kind of always been more or less my style. Like I probably lean towards slight homerism in terms of like being excited for the team I'm calling the game for, but not aggressively so and not dejected when the other team does something good. Um, So it was it wasn't that big of a deviation for me. Well, chances are you probably had to call the games that you did in Beloit down the middle as well. I I guess I did that less so because I felt like I was I felt like I was definitely the the captain's guy. Okay. Because it was the it was I mean it wasn't like a playoff situation. I felt I felt more so like I had a responsibility there as the only voice of the championship series to maybe call it down the middle. Sure, sure. I don't know. Maybe that's right. Maybe that's wrong. But that was kind of my. It my makes sense. There. It makes um, sense. The, I just the other challenging yeah. thing about that series too was that um, I had a hard time getting on air when we were in Elizabethan oh. because their Wi-Fi so the way the press box is set up is it's just up the first baseline a little bit like okay uh, 35 feet up the first baseline or so not even halfway the Wi-Fi router for the press box is down to the right field line in the clubhouse so it doesn't stretch that far. Why? <laughs> um, it's really not conducive to or at the time it wasn't yeah um wasn't conducive to having a broadcast and i tried to get on for so the first game was in our place this last two games were in elizabethan okay and so game two of the series i'm trying so hard to get on and it was it was really difficult luckily there was a long rain delay so i had a lot of trial and error okay but i eventually the only way i was able to do the game was because it was streaming it wasn't like radio uh no radio equipment so i was Mm -hmm. reliant on the internet our trainer had a laptop that was its own Wi-Fi router, and he's yeah. like, you could use it for the broadcast, I don't need it. And so um, I would have not had any way to do the game if not for that. Um, wow. That's challenging in itself. Okay. Yeah, wow. Okay. What was the other one? So the other one was last season, 2019, and this was, um, I'd say this was the most fun I've had in a, in a broadcast booth, at, at least... Um, watching something great happen was our right fielder, Will Benson, who had been the Cleveland's first round pick in 2016, hit four home runs in a game. And for one thing, Will had been with us the previous year. And uh, I mentioned to you before that I, I really have felt like the, the people that have come through our clubhouse have been really great guys and, and Will's, right at the top of that list. And okay. 2018 season was a really tough season for Will. Um, he's a very big three true outcomes guy, or at least he was in 2018. He was top five in the league in home runs, walks, and strikeouts. Wow. So he did a lot of stuff well, um, but the strikeouts were, were really high. And so he had a low batting average. And he went back to low batting average, not like a super high on base percentage, mm-hmm. even though he was slugging and he was getting in his walks. So he... Um, 
going back to, to Lake County in 2019. So this is just a few weeks into that 2019 season. And he goes deep his first at bat. He goes deep in his second at bat. His third at bat, he has a 10-pitch at bat on which he fouls off six consecutive pitches on 2-2. Two, two, wow. And then golfs a breaking ball at his shins over the center field wall for a grand slam. Nice. So just a really ridiculous at bat. Like the the discipline on some of the pitches he took, the fight on the 2-2 two, two count to stay with this this low breaking ball in a tough spot and to do it with the bases loaded into the deepest part of the ballpark. It was the most fun at bat I have called, period. And talking to him, I've talked to him about it several times after, and it was the most rewarding at bat for him of his career, as he's as he said, because of all that stuff. Sure. Uh, and it, it was miraculous, too. Like, he was able to maintain his A swing through that entire fight to to hit a home run. It, um, and then the, his, his fourth home run was a no-doubt moonshot uh, that if it didn't clear the video board in right center, it was high enough to do so just to the right of it. And wow. from my angle, it looked like it did clear it. Um, so that was really fun. And he came up, he had a fifth at bat in that game and had a chance to wow. hit five home runs in a game uh, and had another really good battle. I think that's a three and two and then struck out and got a standing ovation. Wow. That's incredible. How many RBIs did he finish with? Eight, which tied a, a team record. The only other time that a captain had driven eight runs in a game was in the team's first season when a guy hit two grand slams in the same game and had a chance to almost had a chance to have a third grand slam in that game too, Sheesh. which would have been crazy. If they would have, I, I was looking back at the record on this this year. His name was Matt Knox, who strangely the next year um, became a pitcher, which is another story that I've not delved into. But um, if he, if the guy before him, he was on deck with two on and two outs. If the guy before him would have gotten on, he would have mm. had a chance to third grand slam. Wow. Um, so yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, another major league guy um, who I've met before, who he was an infielder. He played for the Delmarva Shorebirds. Now I wasn't there when this happened, but he played for the Delmarva Shorebirds for three years on and off, and he was an infielder and then um, became a pitcher you know who that was who's that michael givens oh no way yeah he um he was like a decent infielder he just couldn't bat from what i was told um and then they switched him to a pitcher and then he just like flew up through the through the um, minor league system I'm looking up his baseball reference now to uh, to see what you're talking about. So let's see. He would have. Yeah. Wow. So he was with Delmarva in 2011, 12, and 13 mm-hmm. as a hitter. Huh. And then went right to. He started pitching, it looks like, in that 2013 season. Yeah. And then got up and wasn't I any. Mean, pretty decent right away wow yeah it's amazing it always amazes me when guys can do that i I found the the dodgers the last few years have tended to 
draft and sign guys who have like a, an athletic shortstop background and put them on the mound or convert guys in that mm-hmm. sense. Um, if you have the player development staff that's good at working with those raw athletes and can, and if the players themselves are, I guess, good students of the of the mechanics and do what they have to to do to work on it then yeah it's it's really fun to watch that progression when guys can make that switch absolutely um so you've made a few different stops in minor league baseball most people have um but as a broadcaster um it tends to be more often um, so you made stops in Burlington, North Carolina, Brevard County, Florida, um, Augusta, New Jersey, uh, just to name a few. What's made Lake County the place to stay and settle down? Yeah, so I guess one thing is like all of the stops I've been at this entire time along the way. So Burlington was rookie ball. Um, Brevard County, Florida was high A. I was an assistant. Augusta, New Jersey was the aforementioned independent league team where I was the the lead guy. And then Lake County, um, I'm the lead guy here as well. It's always been, as you know, you're just trying to get the next best opportunity no matter where you go. And so every, every job I've taken has been in service of doing that. And that's still the goal. Like any, if I can get an opportunity that's, um, that's better than the, the one I'm in, um, then I'm, I'm going to, to go for that. And that's still, you know, obviously with the goal of, of hopefully eventually being, being in the major leagues. Um, the, the difference between where I've been before and now, honestly, is, is family more than anything because every stop I'd made before that was a decision for me. Sure. Um, this is the next logical step in my career and not that Lake County wasn't that because it was like I, I wanted to be a full season number one broadcaster for a minor league affiliated team and that was that was the goal and and why I wanted to to be in Lake County um but the big thing with coming here and staying here for a while has been family we were talking a little bit before this interview um I'm, I'm here with my wife and with now my daughter um and I guess I'll just tell the story of how we got to Lake County because it's it's kind of the reason why we've been here yeah um and why we've stayed is when we were in New Jersey, both from New Jersey, uh, my wife, who's in her medical residency at, at one of the local hospital systems here, she was fin- finishing med school when we were dating. And I was in my job with Sussex County in, in the independent league. And we both, she out of necessity and, and me out of desire to move up in my career, had to, had to find the next opportunity. She, mm-hmm. when you leave, when you're done with medical school, I know you know this since your wife is in the medical field, mm-hmm. um, you've got to start your residency. And so what that means is for, um, for her track, she had to go on all of these interviews to all of these, uh, all of these, at pretty much any hospital in the country that would have her for an interview. She went and interviewed and then she has to, it's called a ranking system. She has to rank all of the places where she interviewed and all of those places rank her as well. Okay. So she's looking for all of, uh, all of these opportunities and I'm simultaneously looking for any possible opportunity in any of the places where she was, uh, was interviewing. Right. We are very organized people. 
probably to a fault, we had this giant spreadsheet that was here, like color-coded, her column, here are the places <laughs> in each state that I can interview, and here's like color-coded the likelihood that I can get, uh, I can match into that program. And for me, it was same thing. Here are all the teams and the college programs in these areas. Here's color-coded the likelihood that I think these jobs open. And so we right. approached everything with that very formulaic methodology. Yeah. Um, with the understanding that it was going to be really tough to match into the same place, especially because with her work, uh, her specialty is so specialized that, let's say, for if you're just a pediatric resident, there's like 15 spots in the program. So you just have to match. If you're in a matching system, you just have to match into one of those 15 spots. Mm -hmm. Her specialty, there's one or two spots per program per year. Right. So if she ranks a place number one and the hospital she ranks number one does not rank her number one, then the person they rank number one would be more likely to get that, right. that spot. So we basically had to, I mean, we had to hit a bullseye. Um, she came back from her interview at the local hospital here, which is University Hospital, and she said, I love the program. And I said, that's fantastic. And I said, I, I really hope it works out. Um, but at the time, I was like, you know, I know that the minor league teams in Cleveland, in the Cleveland area, I know the broadcasters there have all been there for a while. Like, I don't think it, I don't think anything's going to happen. I don't think there's going to be an opening there. Yeah. Um, but I had fortuitously, I went to college in central Ohio at a D3 school and I, I stayed in Ohio or went back to Ohio to Cleveland to do some D3 broadcasting after college for an off season and got to know the captain's people. So as part of my canvassing for work during that off season, I reached out to my, um, my contact at the captains and I said, Hey, do you know of any jobs that might be open? Um, here's my situation. I'm looking. And they said, yeah, well, we're not advertising it, but our job is open and you should apply. And I was shocked. Um, and so I went for it and the, the short version of the story is I got it. Um, but then we were on pins and needles waiting for what's called match day in the medical world, which is the day where at noon on some day in early March, everybody who's going into residency gets an email telling them where they matched into. Okay. Um, so we were super <laughs> nervous, sweating. Yeah, I can imagine. It was pretty much either she's going to match into the place in Cleveland and we're going to be in the same place together all year, or I'm going to take this seasonal job that I'm away from her half of the year, which a lot of people do and works out great for them. But we wanted, right. we had this chance to be together all year. Um, and if, if she didn't match into the, the university hospital in Cleveland, she was going to be in, um, in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd really only see each other yeah. half the year. Yeah. So that's why we ended up in Lake County where we stayed is she's, she's in her, her residency program. I like the situation here. Um, and when it's time for us to both find, the next best opportunity for us, then we're we're going to be looking for that. But it's it's been really nice to be here and to start a family here, and, and we've really liked it. Okay, yeah, I remember the gentleman that had the broadcasting gig before you. He, I I feel like he was one and done. Like I feel like he, it was like a, I don't want to say a midlife crisis situation, but he was. A little older than than us um and this was kind of like he had this opportunity to call minor league games and he had always wanted to do it and i think he had gotten like let go from his previous job and 
he called captain's games for one year, and he was decent at it. I remember that much, but um, I don't remember why he, you know he left or it didn't work out. But glad you found the right spot for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to speak out of school, but I do want to clarify a little bit. Like, I I, I don't know the gentleman who had who had it right before me, but I do know the situation. Um, and so he had been. I don't know him at all, like I said, um, and I can't tell you specifically why he was let go, but he had been with, he'd been broadcasting for Mahoning Valley, which was Cleveland's short season affiliate. Oh, and so yeah. what happened was, so the guy who had been there for a long time, literally since the beginning of Captain's Baseball, though only as the play-by-play man um, for, I think, 12 years, though he had he'd done uh, color commentary before then, um, his name was Craig Dees. Craig's awesome guy, love Craig, he's still in the area. Um, still talk to him. And so Craig had been the guy for a long time and Craig went to open a sports bar. He's a big Andy Griffith fan. Mm. And so he went to open a sports bar in, um, the, whatever the, the town is, the fictional town in the Andy Griffith show I'm blanking on now, but at Mayberry, the, the fictional town of Mayberry is based on a town in North Carolina. He went to that town to open an Andy Griffith themed sports bar. Oh. And the bar was set to open halfway through the 2015 season. So the person he brought on um, from Mahoning Valley was set to be his successor. And so took over as the number one midway through the 2015 season. And it just didn't work out. Um, so that's essentially what happened. Is okay. like, I actually didn't know that Craig had left in the middle of that year. Right. Um, I didn't know Craig and knew other people in that front office. And uh, when I was told by then the GM, Brad Seymour, uh, the Windy City Bulls as their team president, um, when Brad told me that their job was open, I was I was shocked because I didn't I didn't know yeah. Craig had left. I didn't know he was planning to leave. Anytime you see a guy has been in a place for 12 years, you're like, well, that job's not gonna open right um, okay so yeah it just Makes got, sense. got super lucky okay yeah i mean we can i'll cut out that part but i was i was just clarifying you know just oh yeah, yeah. that's fine um yeah. uh okay no worries um so as we talked about you traveled a lot especially you know on the east coast and into the midwest now um but i was looking at your instagram and it looks like you traveled <laughs> to the bahamas for a baseball trip of some sort. Can you kind of tell the listeners what that trip was about to the Bahamas? Yeah. yeah. So that was the Don't Blink Home Run Derby in Paradise, which is a super cool event Interesting. Um, that's put on annually. Of course, this year it wasn't. Um, but the gist of it is they set up this platform on the dock on the beach in Montague Beach in Nassau, Bahamas, and they get a bunch of mostly minor league guys together, and it's just a giant baseball party, and they have a home run derby hitting balls into the ocean. Nice. And it's a ton of fun. Like I said, it's, it's a big party atmosphere, um, hundreds, maybe 1,000, 2,000 people there um, milling around, uh, blaring music. They got food and, and games, and it's really like a well-put-on event, and they, they partner with um, the – atlantis resort down the road and that's where they put everybody up um and they have a kid kids camp the day before so it was really fun and the the way i got to that um which was on was on bahamas cable um as well as on facebook and so the guy who 
runs it, who organizes it, was our outfielder. Oh, okay. Um, in, in 2017 and 2018, Todd Isaacs was an outfielder with us for two years. And so Todd and his buddy Lucius Fox, who um, is a minor leaguer. Oh, gosh. And I'm blanking because Lucius was just part of a trade this offseason that I'm trying to remember exactly where he went to. Um, but they're best friends from the Bahamas. He's with the Royals now. But he, okay. had, he had been with uh, Tampa Bay. And so he's uh, he's in the Royals organization now. But they're like best friends from way back in the Bahamas. The Bahamas has this really cool burgeoning baseball program down there. Um, okay. That a lot of talent starting to come out of. Jasper Chisholm just made his major league debut with the Marlins. He's He was in that event. So they put on this event. Um, the first one was after the 2017 season, which was Todd's first year with us. And I thought it was super cool that these guys are being so entrepreneurial and putting together this really fun event. Yeah. And like, what? who wouldn't want to go do that? So the next year, I'd gotten to know Todd a little bit. Um, again, one of these really nice, engaging people. And I literally just approached him in the clubhouse when we were in Kane County. And I was like, hey, man, like, I don't know what your situation is for the – home run derby this year but can i come <laughs> can i broadcast it well, yeah would you have me on the on the broadcast team like whatever you need me to do i'll, I'll take a trip to the bahamas and, and watch some baseball right uh, and he was like yeah sure absolutely and um and that was that and i didn't do it last year um because obviously we had our um our daughter was little born, one, so yeah. i was taking the, the family time but um it'd be cool it'd be cool to do again someday yeah. um if the you know the situation is right and, and todd and lucius and Todd Senior, they they do a really great job putting it on. Um, you can check out a lot of the stuff. The Cespedes Family Barbecue guys went down last year, and and they hype it nice. up as as rightfully they should. Um, I'm hoping I'm hoping it becomes one of the premier off season events in baseball. I think it has a reason to be one of the one of the top standalone events. So it's not gonna it's not gonna be something that'll rival like the Dominican Winter League for popularity because that sure. has its own its own following but for a single event to get all these guys to come down if they can get more or big leaguers to come down um it's really great and, and boba shet won it the year i was there it was before oh, his yeah. big league debut um yeah really okay. fun my, my wife came down and and uh, my mother-in-law so we had a nice they had a nice little vacation i had a nice little work vacation and, and nice. watched the baseball on the on the ocean that sounds awesome actually wow yeah a lot of people don't think of the bahamas as like a baseball hot spot but it's becoming more so all the time oh yeah i mean like i was talking about i mean um with lucius fox is one of the top prospects in the royal system now um jazz chisholm was the number one diamondbacks prospect till he got traded to uh until he got traded to Miami and okay. is in the conversation to be their starting second baseman this year, I believe. Um, the Diamondbacks, who had Jazz before, Christian Robinson is, is from the Bahamas. He's their number one prospect now. They haven't re-ranked for 2021, but he was okay. their number one prospect um, for 2020, and Christian Robinson is is from the Bahamas. It's, it's wild, like... Every year, I feel like, since covering Todd in 2017, I, I hadn't thought at all about the Bahamas as a baseball country either, just right. like you're talking about. 
But every year since then, um, I feel like there's at least two or three guys in the league from the Bahamas. And the two or three guys who are in there, like, know each other and have known each oh, other yeah. for years. Uh, Todd, uh, when we were, I guess it was in 2018, um, Todd played against Jazz when he was in Kane County. Um, and they were really close. And he played against Lucius, of course, in Bowling Green in 2017. And they were really close, which is it's really cool. I mean, like, you see guys who – it's not uncommon, I think, in minor league baseball to see players – um, you know, hugging their friends mm-hmm. from the other dugout after a game because they played together in college, or right. a couple guys, guys from the Dominican, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, they played with each other growing up when they were really little. Mm-hmm. Um, but but in the Bahamas, I mean, it's it's an even smaller baseball community, so it's uh, it's really super special for those guys when they run into each other and play each other. Oh yeah, for sure. So we're going to take this opportunity to cut to a break, and we'll be right back with more of this conversation with Andrew Luffglass right after this break. Welcome back, Andrew. Again, thank you so much for taking the time tonight. Uh, so you run the team's social media accounts um, in the off season and, of course, during the season, um, during games. So, what's the weirdest comment you've seen or post on the team's um, social media platforms? Uh, you know, while running a team's social media. I guess that's, I guess I could rephrase that question better. Uh, what's the no, weirdest comment you've seen while running a team's social media accounts? I don't know if this is a reflection of how I run a team's social media accounts or a reflection of um, my, I guess, ability to block out the comments or maybe vent about a comment and then let it go. Uh, I can't I, – I've – thought about this question since you said it to me a couple days ago and i can't think of anything really weird maybe it's just my my social media is super innocuous or maybe it's just that i um i've inoculated my against the weird comments i guess captains fans are are more normal than than other minor league fans maybe (laughs) i don't know or just i know how to press the the right buttons to not set anybody off. yeah i guess so man wow if usually, I give a <laughs> yeah. It, usually, like social media is like, you know, people are behind their keyboards. Like they're not, they're going to say things that they wouldn't say like to your face. So, right. um, but that's great to hear that you haven't had any like really weird ones. I mean, there's always like the little stuff that it's like you've been in minor league baseball and you're like, that's not how it works, right? Right. Like, when when are you going to announce the manager? I don't have the power to do that. <laughs> or, um, um, or, um, that sort of stuff. My grandson is really good at baseball. When are you going to have tryouts? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. The tryout one is a familiar. Actually, the, the funny thing on tryouts, um, when I was in my first job in Burlington, uh, at the same time, I worked in the league office for, uh, two independent leagues. So the people who ran Burlington at the time, also ran the Can-Am League and the American Association. So my first job was during the day. I was basically the, the secretary in the league office. It was just me and the league president. Okay. Um, 
and then during the at night I would go and call the games in Burlington. But when you're talking about independent league, like there are tryouts, um, but you get a lot of emails that are from um, from players, sure, asking about tryouts, but worse was from parents. Like they yeah. were parents, like. Johnny's really good. He can play. How do I sign him up? It's like, yeah. You're, come on, man. Like, you're... <laughs> this is a little league. Like, yeah. But also, like, it would be, you know, you know, adult adult men whose parents were uh, uh, emailing. That's, that's the like, worst. Yeah. You know, you're... If your kid's really good, have them send the email themselves. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I guess I'm used to the tryout thing from a while, but it's, it's always funny because anytime I see, like, a... a instagram dm about that about like can um so and so try out or can i try out um like i get it because not everybody understands it but i also think back to you know getting a call in the league office asking if their kid can try out which is always it's always been funny yeah that's super strange (laughs) um that is what it is yeah so you've had experience broadcasting for a number of years, but also a number of different sports, including baseball, of course, basketball, football, hockey, and the puzzling one to me is gymnastics. Um, I'm not sure how you... Well, first of all, I'm not familiar with gymnastics at really at all, but like how to broadcast that would be extremely difficult, in my opinion. But what is the biggest... What is the biggest difference when it comes to broadcasting different sports? So I, let me start on gymnastics because I've gotten to love broadcasting gymnastics the last two years that I've done it. Okay. Um, this actually started because I started doing um, some stuff for Ohio State, mostly hockey. Uh, and they just, as part of their growing their Big Ten network, their BTM Plus BTN Digital stuff, they said, we want to do gymnastics. And I just got an email from the person who had hired me to do hockey saying that they wanted to try gymnastics. Would I be interested? And so I was driving, and my wife Amanda was on the phone, and she did gymnastics growing up as a kid. And she got the email, saw it, and was like, you have to do this. And I was I was game no matter what, but she was like definitely pushing, like, I, I should try to do it. Um and I've done it two years with Ohio State now in, in 2018 or 2019 and 2020. It's incredibly different from doing sport because with any other sport, I'm doing play-by-play. Mm-hmm. With gymnastics, I'm really hosting. That's yeah, okay. really more what the style is. Like I would never do gymnastics on the radio, which I don't know if that's a, you know, a thing anymore. Um, I guess in, in the Olympics, you might have it a little bit. But, sure. Um, for TV style gymnastics, my job is to set up every event and set up every performer and basically guide the ship for the analyst. So as soon as somebody's routine starts, I'm more or less stepping back because my analyst is the person who knows the sport intimately. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and they're going to describe the action during the event. My job is to set it up and basically do in between the events, um, tracking scores, tracking performances, leading into an event with a story we heard from a coach, that sort of thing. Uh, but it's mostly hands-off for me, and I'm basically directing traffic. Okay, interesting. All right. What about the other sports? 
yeah, the other sports, I mean, it's, I guess it's a little bit easier going from like baseball to basketball to football to hockey, because they're sports that I'm more familiar with and I'm like doing play by play is, um, is more comfortable for me than like a hosting sort of role. Okay. But the biggest difference, I guess, is pacing. Like baseball is meant to be, especially on the radio, a very relaxed feel. And I try to Mm -hmm. convey that during my broadcasts. I try to have a, a, a relaxed tone and pace, whereas basketball is frenetic and rhythmic. Football is similar to basketball in terms of its pace when it play. Actually, it's probably a lot similar to, to more similar to baseball in that there's right. nothing happening and there's something happening really fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the big, to me, honestly, the biggest difference between any of them is pace. Um, hockey is probably the most similar to basketball. I always tell people hockey is, if you've never done hockey, hockey is just like basketball in terms of pace of play, more or less, except in basketball, you have to know the 10 people on the floor dead cold and they tell you when somebody new is coming in okay in hockey everybody's changing on the fly so sure. you have to know the entire roster of both teams dead cold like the back of your hand by puck drop okay um which is fine for me like i i grew up playing baseball and hockey so those okay. are the two sports i'm most comfortable with i have no problem with the rules or anything like that i i have a um i guess like a background knowledge of watch hockey my entire life so okay um you you know when it's a sport you've watched your whole life i guess you kind of by osmosis um learn some of the ways that different people call the sport yeah Um, and so the challenge has been like finding your own voice and rhythm and stuff like that okay Um, but i I mean I, i coached hockey as well uh when i was in new jersey before we came out here so I, I really enjoy hockey um, at just about any level to, to call. It's okay. my, my favorite sport next to baseball. Makes makes sense. Um, my um, exposure to hockey was not a lot um, because – so I grew up right smack dab in the center of Pennsylvania. And, yeah, I mean, there's people that are Flyers fans and there's people that are Penguins fans. Um, but like I was always into to basketball and baseball and football more so than than anything else. Um, and so I can't skate. I I I, re- <laughs> I really cannot. I tried. I cannot do it. My ankles do not bend that way. Um, but so, and I'll tell you this quick story. So the mayor of Williamsport at the time. The, the town that I grew up in lobbied to bring an independent hockey team to Williamsport. Huh. And so, and it, and it came to fruition. Um, and so we had the Williamsport outlaws and, but the, there's, there's one problem is that this city of Williamsport does not have an, an ice arena. Like, there's so you have to build an ice arena. So there's there's literally nowhere to play. So what they did was they put a ice arena on top of the baseball diamond at, at uh, Historic Bowman Field, the home of the Williamsport Crosscutters, um, and it cost a small fortune. Well, oh I mean God. a big fortune um, to to make this ice arena on the baseball diamond. And, um, so at the time I was working for ESPN radio Williamsport who had the contract 
to do the Outlaws games, and of course, numerous you know um, college programs and and stuff like that for basketball and everything. Um, and I just remember like there were games that got like sleeted out because because the the games were outside. Um, and so I was just like thinking to myself like this whole time, like I was only like, you know, 22, 23 years old. And I like, I had no, I had worked as an intern for the Williamsport Crosscutters. And like, so like I had very limited experience in the sports industry, but I was just like, this can't be a good idea. Like we're like borrowing money to build this ice arena on a baseball diamond. The first game, I remember I went to the game and I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt because it was like 85 degrees out. Um, so it, it was just like not a great business plan. Um, but, and of course then once it got and, really and here cool, you are how like 10 years, 10 years later, ripping it on your podcast. Yes. And, <laughs> And I'm proud to do so, honestly. Um, it was not a great idea. Um, and, of course, once it got cold, of course, the Winter Classic's awesome, right? Like, it happens, yeah. you know, like once a year. You know, people, you know, freeze their butt off. They, you know, they play outside. This was a Winter Classic for every home game. Yeah, but it's a standalone event that's like... Right, that's... so much money and there's so much that goes into building the rink and maintaining it. For the one game, I couldn't imagine. I, I could not fathom somebody trying to do that for an entire season. So, I, so I, yeah, I played and coached in quote unquote outdoor rinks. Yeah, but they all have roofs. It's just that they're like they don't have solid walls everywhere, and so you're somewhat in the elements, right? But not to the point where it's a real issue for the ice surface. Right, right. So. Um... Needless to say, it didn't work out. Um, it, they got to the All Star break, and um, you know attendance was dwindling because it was outside. Of course, um, they got so they got to the All Star break, and the team folded. And so basically, the players that were on the team they were they were um, number one in the standings in the league because I think they had like one guy that had like you know some NHL time. Um, so he was just like mopping up with this league. Um, so the team folded, um, the other players, they went to other teams in the league. Um, but yeah, they, they folded at the top of the standings. Um, and that's the end of the Williamsport outlaws. They lasted a half a season. Um, that sounds like a mess. (laughs) I can't imagine, I can't imagine that you would have to cover that. For your local ESPN affiliate sounds disastrous. Yeah, yeah, it was it was rough, man. Um, but to jump back into b- baseball, um, we met when you came to Beloit, Wisconsin, of course. Um, yeah. So, what's your favorite and least favorite place to go in the Midwest League? So you're gonna make me say that my least favorite place was Beloit, which it's, it's not really, that's fair. It's just the, it's just the hotel. Um, okay. I, I will say number one, I was very glad that they were able to keep their team and got the ownership and the funding to build a new ballpark. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. I think, I think the town of Beloit, like for Midwest league people gets a bad rap because 
the ballpark was old and nobody was there and you had the the motel that we would get to and always have to check for bed bugs like it wasn't it wasn't like a, a pleasant lodging and baseball experience because of that right um and i'll say as an aside also like in addition to that like it's really just such a bummer for the like the the teams in all of minor league baseball that i didn't get to stick around and we we can spend some time on this at, at some point as from my perspective like it being in having been in minor league baseball since 2012 like in going to industry events uh gone to the promo seminar for years winter meetings and, and seeing all of the really bright talented energetic people who love baseball and support baseball be worried for their future and the future of the teams that they work for and then to know the the communities that would be stripped of their teams was um it, it was tough to watch over the last year um, yeah and so it really I, is I was glad to see that Beloit was able to be one of the teams that stayed Mm -hmm. Um, because as I said, the town does get, I think among Midwest league people like a bad rap because of the aforementioned like ballpark and and motel experience. Sure. Um, But when I was there last, last season, I actually had a friend who lives locally ish in Madison and she took me around the town. Like I had a friend with a car in the area and, it's quite a nice town, like nice little downtown, a lot of stuff to do. And yeah. so it, I think it'll do great now, but, um, the, the, in previous experiences that I would say that would be, um, the least my favorite place to go in the league. Now, this is really hard. I had to think about it because there's so many factors. There's the hotel, there's what's around the hotel, the hotel's proximity to the ballpark, the ballpark experience. How nice is the ballpark? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is there to do in between games, all that sort of stuff. Um, I, taking all of that into account, I'm going to say Lansing. Um, okay. And so Lansing does not have the nicest ballpark in the league. That goes to Dayton and Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say probably third behind them is West Michigan. Um, but in the case of all three of those, you have to bus from the... Uh, hotel to the ballpark which isn't that big of a deal but in Lansing you don't it's right down the street um and so if I'm taking that into account that's a big deal like I really the hotel's really nice it's right down the street I get to take my time after the game I get to take my time getting to the game I can work on my own schedule Mm -hmm. and you're right downtown I mean we're right the hotel's a stone's throw from the capital there's all sorts of restaurants and bars and breweries I can get a nice thing for breakfast I can go after the game to there's like a brewery around the corner yeah Um, you're right on the river I went kayaking before um, before a game last season there's just a lot of cool stuff to do Um, and again the proximity like I'm not worried about like if even if there was a bunch of stuff to do, like let's say we're talking about West Michigan, um, there's not that much to do like around the hotel. But I can, you know, I, I've got my little breakfast spot that I like. I can walk to this or that. There's a there's stuff for me to do when I get back. But I'm beholden to the bus schedule. Yeah, um, and it's just really nice in Lansing to have that have that independence and a lot of stuff to do. Um, and to say nothing of the fact that like you know the guy who's there who's been there a while is the man, Jesse Goldberg Strassler, one of my, my best friends in, in baseball. Um, and he's just the most hospitable person Oh yeah, in the game. The um, voice so nice. They named him thrice. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, like Jesse, I, I, I love Jesse. And one of the things I, um, 
I think I appreciated most about Jesse when I got to the league was the hospitality. He will do anything to make you comfortable as a visiting broadcaster. Yeah. And it's one of those things that, like, you see him do that and really want to strive to do that to the best of your ability for the people that come to your place. Right. And you know you're always going to fall short because Jesse does everything for you. Yeah, yeah. And Jesse is an awesome broadcaster um, for a number of different reasons, but the fact that you can be the biggest baseball fan in the world, know know everything about the game of baseball, and you will still think he's a really great broadcaster, but like, even if like you're, if you've never really like seen a baseball game before or listened to a broadcast before in your life, he will explain it to you so that it right. makes sense. And that's the craziest thing is like that he can, I guess, market to, you know, the, on a scale of one to 10, the 0.1 baseball fan to the, you know, 10 out of 10 baseball fan. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just how his broadcasting style is. It comes down to, first of all, he's really comfortable to listen to. Yeah. Because um, he's just a nice guy generally, and that comes across. And he has such a high-level knowledge of the game, mm-hmm. but he doesn't want to beat you over the head with it Right. if you don't understand the game. He's going to explain the really high-level stuff. He'll get to it, but he'll explain it in a way that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And the rudimentary stuff that you need if you're a newcomer to the game He'll get to that too, and do it in a way that doesn't frustrate the longtime fan. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah, that's exactly. I couldn't have said it any better, honestly. Um, so I'm a big food guy, of course. What's the best concessions item that you've had in the Midwest League? So that's West Michigan. Okay, um, West Michigan. I don't know if I could say item, but the best concession setup by far in the league is West Michigan because nobody else gives you the run of their entire sweet menu. You're, you get to West Michigan and they just give you what the menu that they do for all of the sweets. Cause you're on the sweet level and you just tick off what you want or you write in, you write on the, the little sign in sheet, what you want. Wow. Like if they want, I, I kid you not, their service is so good. If you say, I want a coffee in the third inning, they'll bring you a coffee in the third inning. That's it crazy. Is, is that I mean I haven't I don't think I've been that particular or that specific, but they will do you. Um, I also appreciate because it's such a wide ranging menu that I try really hard to make that the trip where I eat healthy. Oh, <laughs> and okay. It, and it's also really and it's also really good. Like they have I think it's the white cap salad they have, which is like I get it with grilled chicken and craisins and all this stuff and i think there's feta in it um and some like raspberry vinaigrette dressing or something like that which sounds like boring because the salad we're talking ballpark, ballpark, ballpark food, but it's it's really good and it's like a nice deviation from like the pizza or chicken tenders like i genuinely enjoy eating healthy there but if we're there for a four game series i have the the leeway to say okay these three games i'm gonna eat really healthy Give me something really terrible, like something yeah. really, like really good, but something really horrible for me on the fourth day, and like give me the Sunday. Um, I, I would say that um, that's definitely the best setup for that reason because I can satisfy both the responsible 
the responsible person who's trying to get through a baseball season without gaining 40 pounds mm. and the um, <laughs> the gluttonous baseball fan in me that wants to down four hot dogs or whatever fried thing you want sure sure all right yeah i i've never heard of anybody eating a salad at a baseball game am i the worst your worst guest so far <laughs> no. Salad? <laughs> like, no but but I'm you so do make it to get the salad <laughs> you do make a good point in the fact that you know, you don't have the choice to get a salad. Um, I mean, I just ate a salad for lunch, so I'm trying to trying to lose some lbs. So, but you're right, and it's like when you came to Beloit, no salad. Like the the healthiest thing we would have had on the menu at that point would be a turkey burger. Um, right. But like you're, and I know, I know, in Clinton, or yeah, in Clinton. Um, you know they got the the garbage. What do they call that? the The garbage, garbage pail. pail yeah, the, the garbage. Yeah, the the garbage pail. I think, which is just everything they have on the menu that's fried, put into right. one container. So I mean, like, I know, I know, like, you know, that's the West Michigan is the place where you can eat healthy, and that's that is kind of refreshing. I I I would probably do the same thing, honestly. When you're in a ballpark for 140 games, and you, like, it's different if you're going for one game, and you're gonna eat, you're gonna eat like crap, right? Yeah, <laughs> like you're gonna exactly, eat the yeah. really fatty stuff. Yep. Um, but you know, 140 games, I don't want to eat hot dogs every day, and so that's really. And there are other places that have obviously really good food, but that's the best food setup. Um, and I enjoy getting like when we go to Beloit, what's the Snapper Burger that has or Snappy Burger that has the. Um, the brat, the brat on, on top burger yeah the snappy burger a burger yep it's a cheeseburger with a brat split like vertically down the middle and then laid on top of the cheeseburger and it is a one folks um speaking for somebody that's eat, that ate them for four years um on and off of course <laughs> um boy oh boy is that a good burger and like i'll get that with fried cheese curtains because we go you have to you know we go to you we go to your ballpark once a year it's three game series i'm gonna i'm gonna sample the local fare and i'm gonna eat the fattiest stuff that you got um the the challenge is that whenever we go to beloit or clinton you know it's it's that area of the country you're like right on the mississippi and it's usually july and it's a thousand degrees right clinton and beloit at least old beloit stadium they don't have um like ac no there is not yeah so it is i mean you feel every degree of 1000 degrees and you feel it worse when you're in the press box yep because it's basically just i mean it's It's a a hot box yeah it's a wooden box surrounded by a metal structure that is it's just inducing heat and you're conducing heat i don't know i don't do science (laughs) but it's it is a sweat box yeah um and so the fatty food is really good until until you've you sweat it out that and you're in the fifth inning. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh man. So we do have one listener question. Um and I put this out on Twitter. Again, um I'm at it's R A Coon. That's I T S R A C O O N. Um and usually I put up a, a post saying I'm interviewing Andrew Luffglass, do you have any um, questions for us? Feel free to text or leave a voicemail at 202-796-TARP. 
Um, so I, I love when people um, submit their questions for the guests. It's awesome. So um, this is from Mike Sellers on Twitter. Um, my question for Andrew, I intend to visit Classic Park for the first time later this year. What are the best and or most important features I need to make sure and check out when I visit there? That's a good question. Well, first of all, um, welcome. I hope you come by yeah. and uh, shoot me a you know Twitter message if you're if and when you're coming, um, and I'll I'll do my best to to stop and say hi. Um, I would say food wise, number one, you're gonna since we we're talking about food. You're going to want to get something from the flat top grill behind mm-hmm. home plate. Um, let's see. Uh, they have a, a burger of the week. They usually will have uh, um, Italian sausage and brats, um, hot dogs as well. You always have to get your uh, your local Cleveland's big on the mustard. There's the big debate between uh, ballpark mustard and stadium mustard. And uh, Ooh, it's, okay. it's a big deal here. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, flat top grill would be number one food wise uh cheesesteaks are good there too but i would say i mean if you've been to a ballpark it's it's pretty straightforward in terms of like there's not a there's not like a section that you're gonna go as as a fan who's buying an individual game ticket that's going to be you know like a a a special fan experience you're not gonna get anywhere i think the the thing you want to do is find you want to find a nice spot on the grass, I think, over the right field wall. Okay. Um, lay out a blanket or you take advantage of the Adirondack chairs. Really nice on a nice day, relaxing place to watch a ball game. That would be my uh, – not every – I mean, there are a lot of ballparks that have the grass seating, um, but I particularly appreciate them when the, the proximity to the field is so close – um, and I do like that they have the Adirondack chairs out there. Oh, um, nice. I would also say down the left field line, the Corona Castaways bar is a nice place if uh, you're of drinking age to sit on one of the, the high top and uh, enjoy a couple drinks during the game. Would be That would be my recommendation. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, shout out to Mike Sellers. He's been a long-term or a long-time listener, I'll say. Um and yeah, okay, perfect. This, uh, and if I ever get out, how how close are you to Medina by chance? Oh gosh, I don't know because I've never been to Medina. And I, as you as you know, I'm not a uh, Northeast Ohioan. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm from New Jersey originally, so we're we're an hour from Medina. Okay. Minutes from Medina. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One. So one of my um, good friends. Um, he actually owns and operates a uh, soccer post uh, store that's in Medina. Oh, okay. That's in Medina, um, and I went to college with him. He was one of my groomsmen, um, so I haven't been out there. I use his place was about halfway between um, Williamsport and Beloit. So when I would when <laughs> I would dri- yeah when I would drive that. 12 hour drive um i usually would would stay at his place um you know as a as a middle ground and um hang out with him but i haven't been back since i moved to maryland well moved to maryland and then now delaware um but yeah 
Um, so I have to make it out there at some point. Um, certainly try with with my newfound time in the summer. You know, um, <laughs> now that you're not in baseball, you can actually watch baseball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, Andrew, where can the listeners find you on social media? Yeah, so I guess I'm most active um, for work purposes on Twitter. So you can find me uh, at a underscore left glass. Um, that's my first initial a underscore my last name, which is L U F as in Frank T as in Tom G L A S S as in Sam Sam. All right, perfect. And so you've listened to a couple episodes. Uh, and you know, I end with the same question. What has been your favorite walk-up or warm-up song in your baseball career, and whose was it? All right, so with Class A South Bend in 2016, there was a catcher by the name of P.J. Higgins whose uh, walk-up song was, if you remember the song, Here Comes the Hot Stepper yeah, by Eni Kamosi. So that song is from, I, what I always found was really funny. I really love the song, and I thought it was an awesome walk-up song. Um, but the song is from 1995. He was born in 93. <laughs> so, like, it's a it's a song that I remember fondly because, like, I grew up with it. Like, that was the era when I was, I guess, starting to listen to the radio. Yeah. Um, but, like, if, if, you're, if you were born in, in 93, like, a song that came out in... Like I respect it a lot. It was just shocking to uh, yeah to hear it. I, I liked it though. It was one of the cooler. There's very few times I feel like when you're, um, especially when you're in a, in a ballpark every day during the the spring and summer that you like a walk up song catches your attention. And that really caught my attention. I'm yeah, like, oh, that's a throwback. Like nobody does. Nobody does like a '90s hip hop song. I thought that was awesome. Right, that is a timeless classic song for <laughs> sure. Love that song. So we'll close out. Too, yeah, I, I will say too. Like, I, let me like shout out myself a little bit because I think I really liked my other answer was I really liked my walk up song when I was in high school. Um, so I was a big Jay Z fan. I walked up to "You Don't Know" from Ooh. Blueprint. Yeah, which I thought was That's I would, a like had one. a lot of fun. We had one year when I was a senior. We had a kid who was like a year younger than us who was a DJ and he just like volunteered to come to all our games with all of his DJ equipment Whoa. and set it up, like set up speakers. We didn't have, this was not, we didn't have a stadium. We just had like a normal high school rec ballpark. And yeah. He just brought all his DJ equipment to every home game and curated playlists for everybody based on what our walk-up songs were. So that was, Very cool. that was pretty neat. Not yeah. Bad. So, yeah, I was, was, was going to say, I was like, what kind of high school did you go to that you have walk-up music? But It was okay. like we just lucked into this this kid who was a, a friend of ours and was uh, a DJ on the side and wanted to do it. Uh, it was fun. Nice. That's so awesome. Well, we'll close out with Return of the Hot Stepper. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening, Andrew. Um, it's been a great time catching up with you um like i said you know we haven't seen each other since what 2016 2016 yeah in beloit wisconsin yeah so yeah (laughs) great catching up with you um and reminiscing on some on some great stories and and your career thus far and i wish you the best of luck and again thank you so much for coming on thanks bobby appreciate it it was fun yeah man thank you so much (laughs) Na 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 na
to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.